All right, it's a Saturday or a Sunday. It's the weekend. We like to leave it up to you whether it's a Saturday or a Sunday. Well, it depends. It, it depends when you want to tune in and listen of, to our show. Well, it depends on your frame of mind because it could be Saturday. You may think it's Sunday. Could be Sunday. You may wish it's Saturday. You know, I always wish it's Saturday because I think you know I want to keep the weekend going longer. Exactly. And then here's a good song to get your weekend started. That's exactly right. Welcome to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself. Todd Vino, we don't know how many of these we've done over the years, do we? I think there's been quite a few. Well, we know there's been quite a few, but we don't we don't really like know 50? the number. Fifty? No more than that. You think more than fifty? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Someday we'll find out and we'll report back about that. It sounds good. Yeah. Are you excited about doing this? I'm always excited. It's once a month. It's once a month, and it's you know it's a great time and. Um, you know, obviously in the media, there's a lot of talk around mortgage lending. Obviously there's been a lot of talk about inflation. There's a lot of talk about what's going on in, um, uh, real estate, you know, really from across this country. So we're here, we're adding to the conversation, I hope. And, uh, you know, we'll certainly talk, talk on, uh, all kinds of those subjects here yeah. for the next hour. So there are new people listening each and uh, every month, which mm-hmm. is fantastic in uh, both our markets, uh, Halifax and Ottawa. So I think it's, Important that you kind of let everybody know, those new listeners, a bit about you and what you do. Not too much because we don't want to belabor the point. But well, and, and especially I think there's probably a lot of repeat yeah, listeners Yeah, there's a lot of well. people who are tuned. Loyal fans is what we call them. Of course. And, yeah. I, you know, I sometimes hear some of the zingers and some of the funny things that we say. Uh, people say, tell them, uh, uh, say it back to me. So I'm like, oh, people are actually listening. Yes. Which is kind of funny. Uh, my name's Clinton Wilkins. I'm a mortgage broker in, uh, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, recently... I guess crowned or awarded mortgage broker of the year for across the country. And, you know, we thank all our listeners here on city news, uh, obviously in Halifax and in Ottawa for listening to us and for our viewers online uh, and anybody who's listening to us anywhere where you can get your podcast, you know, on Spotify or Apple music. Uh, I've been in the industry for 17 years. Yeah. I funded over a billion dollars worth of mortgages and almost 5,000 transactions. Todd, can you imagine? I cannot imagine. You know, every time I, I think I've seen everything, I see something new. And you know what's really pushed you over that edge? Were those two transactions you did with me. Well, Without you know those, what? you would not be successful. Those are my favorite two transactions. You know what I mean? Well, for, and probably no one, no one outside of this industry knows more about mortgage lending than you do, Todd. That's true, isn't it? Which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. I'm sure like at parties when you like go to a party and maybe this weekend, uh, you can just, you know, talk about mortgage lending and everything you know with the Bank of Canada and, and real estate. That's right, because that's what everybody wants to talk about at a party. Let me tell you, that's what I talk about. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> Speaking of parties, are you having another one this summer? You know what? We're always having a little event. Um, no, but at, you had a big blowout last summer. Oh, yeah. we had. I don't know if I can uh, redo that one. Uh, for any of you who don't know, I had a big uh, event here in downtown Halifax, um, at our office. Yeah. We have a big terrace outside our office here on George Street. Yeah. Uh, we're right beside the art gallery and Kitty Corner to uh, Province House. So a great location. And we had a, a, a seated event for about 50 of our closest business partners and, mm-hmm. and staff and friends. And it, you know, it was a really a great time. It was fun. And, you know, we got to host uh, Todd and a couple of our other friends from yep. City News, and yep. which was great. Yep. And, um, you know, we like to be able to do things like that. You know, obviously being self-employed, Todd, uh, you've been self-employed in the past. Yep. You understand. Yep. You know, it's the best of times and it's the worst of times. And that's why I think even a lot of the clients that we deal with every day who are self-employed, like I, ha- it, it holds a little bit 
bigger piece of my heart because I know what some of the struggles are, but it's nice to celebrate some of those successes. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, putting us on stage and just showing what we can do. Obviously I really believe in Halifax and Nova Scotia. I think it's a great place to live and do work and, uh, live and work. And I think maybe some of our listeners in Ottawa might want to join us here on the East coast at some point. Uh, and maybe, you know, learn some interesting things about mortgage lending as well along the way. Uh, to that, uh, a lot of people have moved to this region from all types, all, all other parts of the country, Ottawa mm-hmm. and big yeah. cities. Is that still happening Is that, or is that kind of uh, slowed a bit? I think there's been less, you know, migration here than there was maybe a year ago, Todd. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a symptom of things opening up across the country. Obviously, things are getting more back to normal. Is COVID over? No. You know, are things getting more to a normal state? I think so. And uh, I, I think that, um, you know, we still have a very great life here. I think there's been some of the decisions by the provincial government that may, may be a slightly less attractive for people wanting to relocate here. You know, one of the things is, uh, you know, they announced uh, increase to the property taxes, which was rolled back. Yeah, they rolled it back. Um, yeah. There was going to be a 2% increase in the property taxes for any, like, non-Nova uh, Scotians that own property here. So that was rolled back. But they still have in place an increase in the deed transfer tax. So for non-residents who buy a property here and they're not going to live here within mm-hmm. six months, they have to pay an, uh, uh, they have to pay an increase in the in the deed transfer. How much tax. is the increase? I can't remember. It's um, a lot, isn't it? Yeah, like, I think it's double, Todd. Yeah, you double, know, or yeah. it's one and a half percent. And yeah. obviously, some municipalities have zero. Some have one and a half. Right. Like in, in Halifax, we have a one point five percent deed transfer tax already. So, you know, that's an impact. Yeah, is that the the you know the showstopper for people who want to buy properties here? Probably not. It, but it certainly would discourage some people. And I think having the scare on that property tax piece and that, you know, a 2% per, you know, or $2 per uh, $100 of the, the assessment, that was a significant kind of scare to some people. So I think that maybe slowed the market a little bit. Um, and, you know, in some markets from across the country, having the increase in what's going on in the rate environment right now, Todd, yeah. has impacted, you know, our real estate market here, Maybe not so much, but in some other uh, real estate markets, it certainly has had a big impact. And I think borrowers are becoming more cognizant of their cost of borrowing. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the cost of borrowing that's impacting Canadians. You know, inflation, when you go to the pump, it's costing more money. I can tell you groceries are much more expensive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Bank of Canada really sent a clear message here uh, last week about, um, you know, what's going on out there in consumer goods and inflation. You know, they, they sent a clear message to Canadians to stop spending and start saving their money. So don't, with, you, find, don't you find, though, that the, 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 for Canadians, this, this is such a contradiction mm. when, when you're told throughout the pandemic that they want you to spend, uh, entice you to spend low interest rates, get out there and do that, and then all of a sudden flip the switch. No, we don't want you to do that. That's... And uh, I, I just find this this, yeah, this kind I, of market manipulation by the bank is is uh, I don't know what well, how I would describe and it. Would the bank of Canada always get it right? I don't think so. Yeah. Um. You know, I think they're they're always playing catch up a little bit. They acted very swiftly and quickly when the pandemic struck. So I do kind of applaud them to lowering that cost of borrowing. Yeah. Todd, you know, they needed to put a liquidity into the marketplace. They needed to bring down the cost of borrowing. Well, that's created Canadian. all the inflation, though, has it not? It, in in theory, it did. Because guess yeah. what? No one spent any money for two years. That's right. No one was, you know, going out, going on vacation, shopping. Yeah. Yeah, so now you get all this money And Canadians around. saved a lot of money, Todd. Yeah, that's right. So then, you know what happened? 
all this money that w- there was being uh, was being saved suddenly flooded the marketplace. Yeah. And that flood in the marketplace uh, has obviously put a strain on consumer goods. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really put a strain on, you know, if you're building a home, the cost of materials are cars, very expensive. Vehicles. You know, there's no cars to buy. Yeah, can't even rent cars. You can't, you can't rent a car. Yeah. My, the lease on my car is up in December. And I'm like, you know what? I might have to buy that car. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Then again, if you trade it in, it'd probably get a good value for it at this point as you well. You know right? what? I could trade it in and I could walk away with a big fat check. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. But... Um, on the flip side, I wouldn't have a way to get around. Yeah, the train. So that's so, you know not yeah. not not great. But you know the long the long story long, long yeah. story long of long my explanation. Yeah, I think the migration to Nova Scotia has somewhat slowed over the last couple of months. It, it, but we have a lot more listings on hand than we did before. So I'm interested to see now what's going into the summer. Typically, June is a little bit of a quieter month for us. You know, obviously, kids are yeah. finishing up with school. We're getting ready for summer. And summer is not always the busiest time. But I think if we do have some more listings, uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, obviously, with the purchases, obviously, uh, you know, here in Halifax and yeah. across our region. So what do you want to talk about over the next uh three segments. You know, I think that we're going to talk about what's going on with the bank account and what's going on with the rates. I know, uh, obviously, if you're a consumer, if you're in the market, if you have a mortgage already, you're going to be interested to know kind of what's going on with the rates. So we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive into that. What's better right now, a variable or fixed. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're also going to talk about refinance. Is the summer a good time to think about a refi? Why do people refinance? Um, is there a season that's better than others? I think for I think the right season is the right season for you. So we'll talk about that a little bit and the yeah. mechanics on how our refinance works. And uh, you know we're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on here in the real estate market in Halifax. And do you have any tips on uh, what uh, type of music we're going to be playing today? Kind of more rocking like we hear. Well, uh, last month I don't know if our listeners remember we had a whole ABBA theme. Yes. Now you pick the first song, yes. I'll pick the second song, so you guys can decide which song you like better. All right, sounds good. Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership. We'll be right back. Music's quite old at this point. You realize that's that's classic rock now. You know what? Classic rock? It may not be classic classic. It might be more classic rock from my era. Kind of like classic Coke? Oh, I don't know about that. Or no, they call it Coke classic. Coke classic, okay. Do they still call it that? I don't know. Coke changed their formula. That was stupid. I don't know if anybody's having any, um, any pop. Hopefully this in the morning. You know what that weekend. would be like? That would be like Clinton Wilkins changing his team. It would be just ridiculous. Or like changing my name. <laughs> or your business. Yeah, that would be. Clinton Wilkins becomes a car salesman. Like, could you imagine? What do you think? I think that would be a terrible idea. <laughs> I think it would be a terrible idea. And uh, Todd was really amped up for us to talk about the Bank of Canada. I, I, we were on uh, last week, uh, obviously, when the Bank of Canada met, and you had some people who were really rare, rared up. Rared up? Yeah, rared up. I don't think that's a word. Maybe not Maybe not be. That might be a local term. <laughs> I don't know. You had some people who are very excited about the Bank yes, of Canada. Yes, <laughs> And I find it funny because, it's, to me, it's amazing that somebody will be, would do anything to, to buy a house. Yeah. 
at 2%. Let's just throw that number right there, or 2.2 or 2.6 or whatever they were. But suddenly 2.8, it's like, whoa, I have to be cautious now. It seems strange, does it not? It does seem strange. And I think like some borrowers, uh, you know, obviously if they were in a variable rate product, some Canadians are still drunk on cheap money. I'm in a variable rate product. And are you drunk on a uh, drunk on cheap money? No, it went up a little bit. It went up, but it, guess what? Yeah. It's still pretty low. It's still pretty low, and we're right. still at pre-pandemic yeah. prime rate. The prime rate before the pandemic struck, Todd, yeah, was three point nine five. Yeah, we have very short memories. That's true. And who's to blame? That you mentioned you, you kind of vilified the media. Uh, you know, I vilify the media. We're on the media. We're on the media. We are the media. I don't know. Uh, I can vilify myself sometimes. Um, I think we're all we're all at fault here a little bit. You know, I think that um, you know variable rates have always been lower than fixed. It still is lower than fixed right now, Todd. Um, I think that. We got used to it being very, very cheap to borrow money. Yeah. And guess what? Now it's a little bit more expensive. But the economists are saying that we're going to see more increases. And borrowers are like, well, what do I do? You know, the fixed rates are very high right now. Should I convert into a fixed? Yeah. And guess what we tell them? You need to weather the storm. There's going to be more increases over the next 12 to 18 months. And some economists think that the prime rate is going to get to somewhere around 5%. They think that's kind of the median mark. And right now, when we qualify a borrower on a variable rate mortgage, we use a rate of 5.25 to qualify them. So we know they can afford it. Yeah. It's called Um, the stress test, right? It's a stress test. And that's what we use. And today, it's actually easier to qualify for a variable rate mortgage than it is a fixed rate mortgage. And why is that? Because you qualify at 5.25 or your contract rate plus 2%, whichever is higher. Mm-hmm. And right now, most fixed rates are between four and a quarter and 5%. Yeah. If you have a 5% fixed rate contract right now, you are qualifying at 7%. Yeah. But your same you know, cohort of borrowers that are taking a variable rate mortgage are going to be qualifying at 5.25%. So the variable rate right now is what? You know, a good variable, you know, if you're buying buying a home and you're getting a high ratio purchase, is somewhere between 2.7 and 3.2%, depending on what lender you're yeah. going to use. Yeah. Um, obviously, on a refinance or a rental purchase, you know, you might pay a little bit of a higher rate. Yes. Uh, on a fixed rate, you're, we're looking at usually like mid to high fours. Wow. And, so, and, and, it's, and, you know, the variable aren't necessarily half of where the fixed rates are. But pretty darn close. So the variable, would you anticipate going up to the 4 to 5% in the next couple of years? I do. I think probably by, you know, uh, a year's time, 18 months time, yeah. um, you know, the variable rate might be around that 4, 4.5, 5%. But the one thing that we sometimes forget about, yeah. we have all the savings today. Yeah. And obviously, lower right. short-term interest rates have a value. There's a future value of money. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that we need to remember is many economists think that we're going to be going into a recession. Yeah. And what happens during a recession? The government wants Canadians to start spending again. So they're going to lower the key overnight rate, which is going to lower the prime rate, which is going to become, money's going to be on sale yeah. again. Yeah. And things are going to be coming on sale here very, very soon. 
but there's going to be a storm. We've been saying there's going to be a storm for a while, Todd. So what's a storm? I, Identify a storm. I think a storm is going to be more increases. Are we going to see more 50 basis point increases? We might if inflation doesn't start coming under control. Yeah. But the Bank of Canada is going to do a slow burn probably for the next 12 to 18 months, depending on obviously, I'll caveat it, what happens with inflation. Yeah. Um, but the rates are not a run runaway train. And the rates are also not going to the moon. I have younger borrowers and, you know, they, we've done a mortgage for them, you know, one, two, three, four years ago. And, you know, they're not up for renewal. They're kind of like in the middle of their term or whatever. And they're calling me and they're saying, my parents really, really think that I need to convert into a fixed rate at whatever rate I could possibly get. I said, okay, borrower, you're at prime minus 110 basis points. So right now your rate is, let me see, 2.6%. If you convert into a fixed, you're going to be somewhere around four and a quarter, four and a half percent. It's going to almost double your cost of borrowing. Mm -hmm. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure? And they're like, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't want to do this, actually. I want to weather the storm. I know it's going to go up, but I'm pretty sure it's going to go down. I said, you know what? I'm with you. Yeah. I am with you. You took a variable because that's what you wanted. You didn't take a variable because it was cheaper. You took a variable because you knew what the risks were. You took, you knew the risk that, that it's going to go up. You know the risk that it's going to go down. And that's why it's a variable rate. And historically, borrowers do better on a variable. And there's a lot of pros to the variable, Todd. Uh -huh. Obviously, one of the big pros is if you break the mortgage early, it's only three months interest. Now, if you're losing sleep at night and you're in a variable rate mortgage, you can convert into a fixed with no penalty with your lender. But you're subject to whatever the rates of the day are. So that's obviously something to remember. Mm -hmm. Once you convert into a fixed, then all the terms and conditions of that fixed rate are going to apply. And if you break that fixed rate early, be prepared to pay. So there's no underwriting that's required. You can you, just convert. You just convert. There's nothing. It's your choice. There's no potentially you can't do that. If you want to break that fixed rate early, yeah. be prepared to write a big fat check. How much? Might be three months interest yeah. or it might be an interest rate differential, which is ever higher. Banks are like the casinos. Listen to what I say. The yeah. banks are like the casinos. And what happens with casinos? They never lose. Yeah. yeah. And bankers and lenders are just salivating. They are rubbing their little hands together saying, borrower, you should definitely convert. And I've heard there's, ba there's bank branches that are like calling everybody who's in a variable rate. My clients call me and tell me that, and they laugh. And they're like, you're never going to guess what they tried to get me to do. And I, I say, oh. I guess they probably want you to lock into a fixed rate. They're like, so it's more money for them. It's guaranteed return. Yeah. And you know what is guaranteed return at a much, much higher rate. Yeah. And right now there is some fear mongering going on. The rates are not going to the moon because guess what? The federal government is in bed with Canadians and home ownership. They are ensuring a lot of this risk already. And through, uh, through the Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation, yeah. SAGEN, and Canada Guarantee. It's all yeah. government-backed in, 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 in essence. Yeah. And they are in bed with Canadians, uh, you know, through obviously the risk tolerance. They're protecting the banks. We're not going to be in a situation, you know, that happened in like the 70s and 80s, 80s when, the, you know, the rates were in the teens. That's not happening. Why do you think people keep invoking or talking about that, citing those, those as an example? Uh, I think it's still recent enough that... We remember, yeah, because your parents or my parents, or I'm sure, the, I'm yeah. sure they, sure uh, my yeah. my parents had an had a, a, a 
property in Vancouver, and they had a raid in the teens. Yeah. And it was a low teens, and you know it was very early eighties. And uh, they sold their house, and someone actually assumed their mortgage because it was such a good deal. It was, they, I think their rate was like ten percent, let's say. Yeah. And at that point, the rates had gone to like twenty percent, and somebody assumed their mortgage because it was so, you know, valuable because it was such a much lower rate. We're not going to see rates like that. Will we see rates at five percent? Yeah, we will. That's the median mark, Todd. Mm-hmm. And things will will start balancing out. But the interesting thing to think about is. Is a recession on the horizon? Yeah. Okay. All right. We got lots more to talk about. A couple more segments. Uh, it's Mortgage One One. Your guide, no ownership. We'll be back. Why do you still do the Bart Simpson dance? I, you like it so much. I can't help it. I do it to entertain you. Did, were you aware that you were doing Bart Simpson dance before I brought it up? You know what? I'm not a big Simpsons fan, but, you know, I watched some Simpsons, obviously, like, growing up and stuff, but yeah. he's very famous. I know, but were you aware of, that you were doing that? No, I'm not. I'm not aware of half the things that I do. <laughs> Are you uh, partying this summer at all? Like, am I going to, like, go away or go on vacation or, like, go to a cottage or something? Yeah. I mean, of course. Hello. I love a good, like, three-day weekend every weekend. Is this tough when you're self-employed and you uh, you work in the real estate secure lending business? Because guess what? Summer sometimes is a busy time. It just depends on, like, what's going on. Exactly. Welcome back to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. We talked a lot about monetary fiscal policy from the, uh, from the government and the Bank of Canada. And uh, I guess to just kind of wrap that up, um, to, uh, to finalize what we were talking about, your feelings are basically how might that impact the market when all is said and done, projecting out over the next number of months. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's already been some softening in Ontario. I'm sure our friends that are listening in Ottawa uh, might be able to speak to that. Um, you know, there's some properties uh, that are even, ha- you know, may have purchase agreements on them right now that the valuations are coming in a couple hundred thousand dollars below what uh, the you know the consumer has made an offer on, so uh, that's certainly concerning. Um, NBC, I think it, things are soft as well. Yeah. We are not feeling that here in Atlantic Canada, and I think part of the reason is our real estate is still very very affordable compared to the rest of the country. The average home price for a detached home here in Halifax is about five hundred thousand dollars, which is still some of the most affordable real estate from across this country. Will a higher interest rate impact Canadians? Yes, it will. Obviously, the amount of money that you're putting out um, every month to service the debt, that's going up. But will it retract on what's going on in the real estate market here in Halifax? I'm not convinced yet. Um, You know, I think it's going to be a wait and see. I think we need a lot more supply in the marketplace before we get into more of a balanced market. And the market's just been so crazy. Even pre-pandemic, it was still very, very busy. So wait and see. Uh, one last thing I want to say about rates, mm-hmm. you know, it might come up again. You know, I love talking about rates. Uh, friends don't let friends take a fixed rate, Todd. So, you know, if you're in a variable, stay the course. If you're going to go and get a new mortgage, take the variable rate. You will thank me later. And one of the big pluses is obviously, like you said, if you had to sell the property, it's only three months. It's only three months interest, interest. to get out. Yeah. It will be lower. You will weather a storm over the next 12 to 18 months and the rate will go up, but it will then 
likely go down, especially if we're getting into like a recession type situation. Okay. So stay the course. Okay, I wanted to uh, kind of get into the uh, the inflation conversation and how that impacts or mm-hmm. might impact somebody when they're determining or when you're determining uh, what they can borrow. Because the old sliding scale, I guess, uh, has changed a lot with a lot of these uh, variables when it comes to a cost, fuel, on and on it goes. Do, are underwriters considering that right now? Like the cost of everything out, else outside of the house? Well, right. So I guess, mm. for example, when, when, you, when you looked at somebody's uh, a year ago, exact same budget and, and all of that stuff, uh, things cost so much more now. Yep. So is that considered at the underwriting process? It hasn't caught up yet, Todd. You know, yeah. really what we look at when we are qualifying someone is we look at what their monthly costs are to service their debt. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. And we look at the operating costs for the property. So we look at what the property taxes are, and there is a heat calculation. And then we need to obviously qualify people on either the uh, stress test with the qualifying rate or the contract rate plus 2%, which is ever higher. So as the property taxes go up, Todd, that's yeah. going to have an impact. Yeah. If people take on more debt, uh, that's going to have an impact. But do we look at things like consumer goods and, you know, fuel, fuel prices and, and all stuff that, like that? No. But, it, but to me, if I'm a lender, that that's, should be a consideration, should it not? Yeah, and I think in some instances, some lenders will allow some more extended debt servicing ratios. There are some banks, some of the big five, that have policies specifically for bigger markets, and they'll allow a higher debt servicing kind of ratio than they might in smaller markets. Will they retract on some of that? it's really going to depend on what happens with the risk. If people continue to pay their bills and they're not having losses, lenders are in the business of lending people money. You know what I mean? So although they don't want to take undue risk and obviously, you know, put the bottom line at, you know, jeopardy, they will take enough risk within the risk tolerance to still be doing business. Okay. Uh, When it comes to uh, reconstruction or or construction loans or, uh, all of that component of it. Mm-hmm. How difficult is that when it comes to, because we know it back to inflation, what prices, what it's unpredictable what you're going to pay for materials. Yeah. And down, we, even a few months down the road. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about this did, a, few, yeah. a few months ago. We talked right. about, you know, what, do, what does a contractor draw type mortgage look like a self build mm-hmm. versus a turnkey. Right. Obviously we know turnkeys are a lot safer right now, Todd. Yeah. Uh, we don't personally do draw financing here in this office anymore. It's too risky for the appetite that, you know, we're really able to take on. And there's too many variables. You are 100% right. There's a lot of challenge even with contractor builds right now. We're getting new agreements that have some very special clauses in there. It, it talks about things like inflation, the cost of materials, and they're talking about overruns. And there are some provisions in some of these contracts that I'm seeing that the borrower has to pay up to X number of dollars for any overages. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's going to become more the norm than the exception. Uh, as we know, over the last couple of years, the cost of materials have really gone up. We're going to see an increased cost in labor likely, Todd. Yep. Um, and just imagine if you were a contractor and you went into an agreement with a consumer, but then your costs go up significantly, mm-hmm. somebody has to eat that. Yeah. Either it's coming out of the bottom line of the contractor or the buyer has to pay some more money. So we're going to see some some of these provisions. And, you know, it really kind of protects both sides. 
we had a news story here a couple months ago where a contractor basically just went AWOL on four homes. Yeah. Um, part of the reason was obviously the cost of construction went way up, but the values of those homes went up significantly compared to when they made those agreements. So essentially they could resell those homes for almost double what they were in the agreements for. Mm -hmm. So I feel for both sides. Obviously we do business with contractors every day and obviously we do business with people who are buying new home construction. Challenges on both sides of the table. And I think it's a risky time for anyone that's in construction. And I think it's a risky time for anyone buying a new home construction. Honestly, there's a lot more knowns when it comes to a resale home. Yeah, it's not brand new, but somebody else worked out all the problems probably. And you know, you have a solid product. Um, you know, not all new home construction is challenging and not all new construction is a walk in the park. But, you know, there's pros and cons to buying a new home versus a resale home. And there's pros and cons from buying a resale home compared to a new construction. So I think it's, you really need to weigh the pros and cons uh, and make an educated decision on, you know, what type of real estate you're going to buy when you're going to buy a home. So when it comes to, uh, I, I guess, the amount of new construction that's going on, is that impacted by what's happening? What, what's, your, what's your take well, on it? Well, we certainly need a lot of it. Yeah. Here in this we market. We need a ton of it. We need a ton of it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think we're certainly fast tracking some lots. You know, the uh, municipality here in Halifax I fa has fast tracked, I think, of 20,000 building lots. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot of construction over the next couple of years, which we do need. We need real estate at all levels. Yeah. It's not just single family detached homes that we need. Uh, you know, we need apartments. We need condos. We need townhomes. We need all types of real estate here in Halifax. Uh, to really keep up with the demand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more real estate that we can get into the market, uh, we'll move maybe more towards a balanced market, which right now uh, we're not quite in. It's still obviously so much a, uh, a seller's market. And I do feel for the, everyone who's buying new homes, but I can tell you there's a lot more real estate on the market today, Todd, than there was even a couple of weeks ago. Wow. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a ton of listings. And I think some of the listings are not moving. I saw a listing in Dartmouth that went up. Uh, probably they put it low. They put it on a program is what they call it. Um, and they were expecting a ton of offers and they didn't get any. Uh -huh. Took it off, relisted it for a couple hundred thousand dollars more than what they had it listed at the first time and still not getting any action. So um, borrowers ask me all the time and I'm not a realtor. I'm never going to be a realtor. But my opinion is when you were selling real estate, List it for what you want to get and what you think it's worth. Yeah. And if you get a little bit above, cool. Yeah. I think these days of getting like hundreds of thousands of dollars over what it's listed for are probably like in the past. Like only a few months ago that was happening. I know, but yeah. like that's not, it's not good for anybody. Well, it's good for the person selling. It's good for the person selling, but guess what? They had it listed way below the what the market value was probably. Yeah. If they're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars over. Yeah. I think listing real estate at a more realistic price is going to help rebalance the market a little bit as well. It really sets, sets the expectation for the seller and for the buyer. Yeah. So these big, huge construction builds that we're seeing with the cranes all mm -hmm. around, they're all around HRM. I'm sure Ottawa's got, got something similar, maybe not to the same degree, but certainly new builds going on. A lot of those are condos or anything? I would say a lot of them are actually rental apartments. Rental apartments, yeah. but there would be some per, for purchase uh, units in there, would there? There certainly are some condo projects on the go right now. Yeah. 
Uh, I would say they are the minority of the uh, constructions that are going on. Most of the constructions that's that's happening around the city right now is rental stock. Um, And our rentals are, we have about a 1% vacancy here in Halifax. So obviously a high demand, not only to buy a home, but also like rent a home. So we certainly need a lot more rentals here as well. Um, And I think, you know, obviously getting... The, that type of real estate on board as well is going to help with the market. You know, p- people need a place to live. You know, if people are still going to migrate to Halifax and Atlanta, Canada, we need to find, they need to have a place to lay their head at night. Is condo purchasing, I guess is what I was getting at. Is that a different animal when it comes to lending? It certainly is a different animal. Not every lender likes condos. I can tell you yeah. a lot of new construction condos do not come with new home warranty, which can be a concern for lenders. Um, you know, some of the condos are very, very small square footage, which can also be a concern. Uh, sometimes they are worried about things like resale. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of pros about condos. You know, you know how much your operating expense is going to be. Yeah. You know, most of the things that pop up in a condo are being covered by your condo fee. Right. So, you know, there's pros and cons to every type of real estate. Is the condo market as hot as the freehold market so like a a detached home yeah no will it ever be i don't know yet you know halifax i think is very new in the condo space yeah and um you know i think it's kind of a growing market in other bigger cities you know condos are kind of the norm here we still we certainly have a lot of condos but uh not as many maybe as some other markets and i think in it's not quite as desirable to live in a condo it's not sexy. Everybody wants a single family detached home. Yeah. You know, Nova Scotia, you think you can just be a cat. You can have a huge swath of land. Um, obviously, there's less and less land available. So I think we're going to see more condos in the years to come. If I was a betting man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But they can be problematic for a lender. Some lenders may, may they be, certainly a bit can be reticent pro- to, to. Yeah, they can be problematic for the lender. Yeah. Uh, you know, if the condo isn't well managed, they might not like the estoppel of the condo. You know, maybe if the finances aren't good with the condo, maybe there's some construction issues with the condo. Yeah. There certainly have been some condos here in Halifax that have had special assessments. And guess what? You know, the people who own those condos, they have to write a check yeah. and they need to cover, you know, any of those like unforeseen costs. All right. We've got another segment left. Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership. We will be right back. I've been a throw up the sex in a uh-huh. And I can put you in I can put you in All right, welcome back to uh, Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. Todd Vino. How's your weekend? Do you have any big plans? Big plans? Yeah, I'm going to drive around Halifax looking at houses. And listening to our show. And listen to the show. I love it. I yeah, love what it. do you think? I think that's a great plan. And you know, you know what I'm actually going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to drive around Halifax, and I'm going to, and I'm going to look at other people driving, and I'm going to envision them listening to the show at the same time as I am. You know what? When they're listening to the show, and then they see you driving around... That might confuse them. (laughs) That might be unsafe, actually. They may may be thinking the same thing. Or or you know what else I'll do? I'll wait till people park and get out of their vehicles, and then I'll survey them. I'll say, were you just listening to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership? You should be. 
Which, on City News, obviously in Halifax and Ottawa. So thanks, thank all our, uh, thank you to all our listeners. Yeah, we'll who, send somebody to Ottawa to do the same thing. Okay, sounds good. We'll do a survey. What do you think? Maybe Sam can uh, can go and she can. Uh, yeah, she can take survey a few us. people. Okay, exactly. All right, so we do want to talk about uh, refinance mm-hmm. because we promised that we talk about refinance. How much uh, is refinance? How, how much? Uh, how big of a component of that is is out of your business? I would say normally it would be less than 50%. Yeah. Now, more than 50%. I'll tell you the reason, Todd, that we're doing so many re- refinances. One, obviously the values are up in our market. Mm-hmm. So you can refinance up to 80% of the value of your home. So obviously that's a component. Of the appraised value? Of the appraised value. And the appraised right. value is usually what you would sell it for. So a lot of people have quite a bit of equity in their, in their home. Even if you bought a, you bought a home like two years ago, three years ago, usually you have enough equity to refinance right now based yeah. on like where the values are. So that's a reason. Yeah. I think some Canadians are forward thinking and they want to get their finances in order if they continue seeing some inflation. I'm getting calls for people who want to refinance, clean up maybe some unsecured debt and extend their their amortization. Some are wanting to extend their amortization to 25 or 30 years to bring down their cost of borrowing. And they say, hey, Clinton, I'll just increase my amortization kind of when things settle out or I want to take advantage of lump sum payments down the road. That's a prudent thing to do. You know, if your cost of fuel is up, your cost of food is up, if things are tight, but you have a lot of equity in your home, there's nothing that is, you know, not honorable from extending your amortization. So we're seeing some of that. Question for you mm-hmm. before you go on. There was once a, a mindset, and I don't know if it was an old school mindset or, or, or what, how you would describe it, but you got an amortization and you got that mortgage paid off and that amortization and that was the goal, pay it off, pay it off, pay it off. There seems to be a, a different philosophy now that you can be in your 50s, 60s, and if it makes sense to amortize that puppy out for another 25 years, then do it. Yeah, trust me, I see it every day. Yeah. And I see a lot of people going into retirement, Todd, that are kind of restructuring their debt, that. maybe extending their amortization. I have people who are going into, into retirement that are saying, hey, Clinton, I don't have a lot of a mortgage here, but I'm still working. It's a great time to kind of do a transaction. Let's set up a HELOC and they're paying off their mortgage into a home equity line of credit. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, I'm never paying this baby off. I want to have some access to credit. Um, you know, I might want to do some renovations and I've also worked really hard my whole life and, you know, paying this off is just not in my future yeah. and that is okay. I have a lot of equity in this home. Um, you know, we're doing stuff like that every yeah. day. So the idea that it was once sacrosanct to do that, to, to, to carry kind of debt into retirement in that way, that why it just it just makes economic I'm having, sense. I, point, exactly, right? I'm having yeah. retired people who are re-upping. You know, I've uh, I've retired people who own their house free and clear and be like, hey Clinton, I want a mortgage for investment purposes, or hey Clinton, I want a home equity line of credit, do some renovations on my house and make my house, uh, you know, what I always wanted it to be, or maybe I need to be a little bit more accessible, or I have to do some updates for me to stay in this home. Yeah, a lot of families, their home is their biggest asset. Yeah. You know, I love when people pay off their mortgage. It feels good to me. But if it's your biggest asset mm-hmm. and you can afford to service the debt, yep. why not leverage it? You know what I mean? It, you know, I think some consumers, are, you know, I think the thought was, hey, I need to get this house paid off so I can leave something to my kids. I think that's less the concern right now. Yeah, I have people who are retired or getting up to the retirement age and I, and, and they, they said, you know, I need to get my kids into the real estate market. They, you know, 
they're 20, 30, 40 years old and they haven't bought their first home mm -hmm. and they need a lot of help to be able to get into that, you know, get into that real estate ladder. And I have a lot of parents who are refinancing their home or putting a home equity line of credit on their property to give a gift to their kids to be able to get into the real estate market. Yeah. And, you know, it, that's really amazing. I think back in the day, there might have been more like multi-generational housing. That was more of a thing. Nobody wants to live with their parents anymore. That's not cool. Mm -hmm. Did anybody ever want to live with their parents? Maybe. I think maybe life was too, life was too good. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there you go. I, I, you know, that for me, I grew up in rural Nova Scotia. So I was, you know, really excited to get into Halifax. And, yeah. you know, I didn't live at home as an adult. But I know lots of people who have. And, you know, it's a great thing to do if you're trying to save money and you have a goal or something like that. But I think some people just do it because it's the easy thing. Yeah. And maybe the parents are like, we need to get this kid set up. The kid yeah. needs to be self-sufficient. Right. The asset for that, this child needs, you know, the home needs to be their biggest asset. Right. So. So what are some of the uh, fundamental things that people can do when they want to go in, into a refinance? Mm -hmm. uh, because there are some things that they can do that, that will expedite the process of right? course so yeah. uh, you know i think documentation is a big thing todd yeah. it sucks doing this stuff but yeah it, it, it's pretty straightforward it's worth the money though doing oh it, right? yeah totally yeah. i usually tell people i'm like well how long does it take i'm like usually five hours is the amount of time commitment that you need that you need to put in sometimes less sometimes more right. um you know have your 2021 annual mortgage statement have your current property tax bill set aside yeah. have your income confirmation so if you're employed by someone uh, you know, by an employer, have your most recent pay stub, maybe the last two years of your T4s, you know, that's important. If you're self-employed, you know, maybe connect your unbiased mortgage professional with your accountant and they can give them all the documents. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be like you're giving a blood sample. Yeah. Um, you know, for us, it's really easy for existing clients because I can just, you know, copy over the file, do a couple updates, get yeah. them to sign a consent form and yeah. a broker's disclosure and like Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Um, but for new clients, we do it every single day. And it's honestly a very painless process for many people. I think if you have your documents together, documents are the easiest thing. You know, I think the other thing that's really important, Todd, is to have some type of idea how much your home is worth. Yeah, exactly. I ask people, yeah. they're like, oh, I have no idea. I paid 200000 for it. Or a lot of people think their house is worth way more than it is. You know what? Right now, I'm not sure. I, every time that we have to get an appraisal, and obviously a lot of properties go through the automatic valuation system and we don't need an appraisal. Yeah. But every time I order an appraisal right now on a refinance, yeah. usually, I won't say every time, but usually it comes in higher than what the Borwer thought. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I'm being conservative. This house is worth 500,000. Comes in at six, 700,000, you know. Um, and it's based on the comparable sales. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes with these automatic valuation systems, and I know we touched on this a little bit before, it's kind of like Goldilocks. It can't be too high. It can't be too low. Some, it needs to be somewhere in the middle based on what the comparable sales are. And that's tough, especially in an environment where we've seen the values go up so, you know, significantly over the last couple of years. So the refinance is, if you're carrying high interest debt, mm -hmm. My goodness gracious, and you can get that debt rolled over into a... If you have the equity mortgage, in the home, right, like now is the time. It's got to be a no-brainer, yeah. right? And now is certainly a good time, especially if you're in a variable rate already, Todd. Yeah. You touched on it. It's yeah. only three months interest to break it. Yeah. On a fixed rate, the penalty can be higher to get out of your term. Right. So I think being closer to renewal or at renewal on a fixed rate is probably the right time to do it. Um, 
But I'm not saying that breaking a fixed rate is never a good idea. Sometimes it is. It kind of just depends on what the situation is. And sometimes people are, you know, doing a refi to change the product. Like we have a lot of people who will go from a standalone mortgage into a collateral charge type product. And maybe there's a mortgage and a home equity line of credit. Obviously, that's becoming more and more popular, especially if you want to have access to the equity, but you don't want to necessarily borrow the money right away. It's a good way to kind of get set up. All right. So a lot of great information. And uh, if people want to know more about all the things that you do, or if they want to get a hold of you, do they want to do business with you, whatever it might be, what's the best way? I think the best out? way is to check us out online at teamclinton.ca slash radio. Lots of great information on there, Todd. Mm-hmm. We, like, we have over 500 blog posts on every single topic you would ever want to know about mortgage lending. And you know, if there's anything you ever want us to talk about on our show, Send us a tweet, yes. send me an email, yeah. whatever. We'd love to answer your question. And um, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll do this next month, of course. Yeah, I can't wait. We're, we're rolling right into the summer. This is our last show of the spring. So, yeah. absolutely. So, it's uh, your guide to home ownership uh, with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. Happy to do it. We'll be back next month.